Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network on this Thursday morning, September the 1st. I'm Adam Wright with you for the hour and happy to be with you for the hour today. You know, fall is almost here. We are now in the month that fall will begin. It's a beautiful month. One of my favorites, September. Let's pray this morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have to tell you, I am somewhat conflicted this morning because I, you know, I'm here today. We have a show for you tomorrow, and then next week I'm going to be on vacation. And we have this big back and forth. Are we going to put on pre-recorded shows? Are we going to put on previously aired shows, an encore, if you will? Are we just going to air something completely different? What are we going to do? And we decided it would be fun to, and not just fun, but it, it would be great to go back to some of those segments we've done throughout the life of the show, throughout the last two and a half years, and bring those to you. But we're, I'm, I'm conflicted. Do you, do you call it a best of show? Is it, is it the best of Roadmap to Heaven? Well, in some ways it is. But how do you classify what's the best? So I can't decide if it's a best of or a look back. And I, I'm, I'm gravitating towards a look back. Here's the big point, though. It doesn't matter what we call it. We've got some great stuff in store for you next week. And if you aren't able to listen to the full show, you know, if you listen to the first 20 minutes or maybe the well, I guess if you listen to the middle 20 minutes or the last 20 minutes, you're probably not listening yet. Um, but next week is one of those weeks I'm really glad we have the podcast because we just have some wonderful things in store for you. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Today in store, we have our catequiz, as always. We're going to continue our conversation with Brian Gosser about fertility. And today we're going to get into one of the uh, more emotionally difficult subjects on that in that conversation. And then we will also be uh, on the tail end of our conversations with Doug Berry about the role of the husband and father in the home. And I, I've been enjoying those as a husband and father, I just have to say, and, and yesterday's especially, turn the chair. I've been thinking about that nonstop since he said it yesterday, and I hope that you have been too. If you don't know what I'm talking about, again, I'm so glad we have the podcast. Let's go to Mike Roberts now for a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Giles. Born in France in the early to mid-7th century, not much is known about him beyond legend. However, in the Middle Ages especially, there was a great devotion to him, and he was particularly popular in Sweden and Germany. He became a priest and then helped establish a monastery that was a stopping point for pilgrims on their way to and from Santiago de Compostela, the way of St. James in Spain, and also the Crusades. Giles is one of the 14 holy helpers, which include St. Barbara, St. Christopher, and St. Blaise, called upon in times of grave danger and trouble. He is the patron saint of Edinburgh, Scotland, the disabled, and those with breast cancer. St. Giles, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. 
Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We've been mentioning it all week, and we cannot mention it enough that tomorrow is the first Friday of this month of September, and Saturday is first Saturday. Yesterday, we spoke a little bit about the promises that the Blessed Mother made to us via the children at Fatima, and the promises our Lord made through St. Margaret Mary Alico. He gave them to her. She gave them to us, and it's a wonderful thing. And again, I cannot say enough. First Friday, first Saturday devotions, make a plan, especially with it being Labor Day weekend. You might need that plan. We have our first catechiz question of the month, and it is actually related to this month's devotion. So throughout the month of August here on the show, we were praying a novena prayer to the Immaculate Heart of Mary because August is a month devoted to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. July was devoted to the precious blood of Jesus. June to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, May to the Blessed Virgin Mary, April, the Holy Eucharist, March, St. Joseph, February, the Holy Family, January, the Holy Name of Jesus. But September, we dedicate, we devote our prayer through the Blessed Mother's intentions, and we have a devotion, or we foster a devotion, to the seven dolors of Mary, the seven sorrows of Mary. So here's our catechist question. How many of the seven sorrows can you name? How many of the seven sorrows can you name? That's the question before you this morning. Here is the answer um, from this wonderful prayer that you can find as well. The first sorrow of of Mary's tender heart, the prophecy of the holy and aged Simeon, the prophecy of Simeon. The second one is the flight into Egypt. The third, the loss of Jesus in the temple. The fourth, meeting Jesus as he carried his cross. The fifth, standing near Jesus in his agony. The sixth, when our Lord was struck by the lance and removed from the cross. And the seventh, the burial of Jesus. The seven sorrows of Mary. And, uh, Beautiful things to meditate upon in this month of September, especially on the days that we pray the Sorrowful Mysteries of the Rosary. So here's a little thing you can do. If you go online and search Seven Dolors of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and then just add EWTN at the end of that, uh, this wonderful prayer comes up, and you can pray through it every day. It won't take you that long, and it's a great way to reflect on the sorrow, the, the pain that our Blessed Mother endured at the sight of our Lord's Passion and some of the other troubling times as she raised him. It's good to meditate on these things, just as it's good to meditate upon the mysteries of the rosary. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, Dr. Brian Gosser will be with us. Stay tuned. Prayer to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. O Mother of Perpetual Help, grant that I may ever invoke thy most powerful name, which is the safeguard of the living and the salvation of the dying. O purest Mary, O sweetest Mary, 
let thy name henceforth be ever on my lips. Delay not, O blessed lady, to help me whenever I call on thee, for in all my needs, in all my temptations, I shall never cease to call on thee, ever repeating thy sacred name, Mary, Mary. Last week, we had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Brian Gosser, a Catholic OBGYN. You know, Dr. Gosser, last week we were talking about fertility as a gift. And if you missed that, go back and check out the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. This week, you know, it's a difficult conversation because I think we all have in our minds, those of us who are married, that that's the plan. We'll meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. In this case, my wife literally met Mr. Wright. We got married. We had kids. But that's not always how it works out for some people. Some people, that's what they want. That's what they desire. They meet the right person. They get married. They're open to a family. And for whatever reason, they just can't conceive. And that brings us to a difficult topic, infertility. When we think of fertility as a gift, Adam, we have to remember it's a gift lovingly given by the giver. Now, when we think about gifts, there are things that we want and there are things that we need. If I remember when I was a kid, you know, we get the proverbial ugly Christmas sweater from our grandmother. It's what we need because we need something to keep us warm in the wintertime, but it's not exactly what we wanted. It wasn't the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip or the PlayStation, whatever it was we wanted as a kid necessarily. And sometimes, you know, that gift isn't one that we would choose for ourselves, but it's the gift that we receive. Our struggle always is to try and and be grateful for the gift that the giver gives us. And I think that really plays into our, our next segments on fertility. You know, fertility can be that cross because it's not the gift that we were expecting. It's still a beautiful gift and it always will be. But again, it's hard because when God gives us that gift we weren't expecting, in order to embrace that, it it can cause some suffering. That's the truth. I know many friends who have struggled with infertility and it's been amazing to watch their faith journeys from the beginning of their marriage until now. Um, One couple that we're very close with And to see how they've grown as people and how they've suffered, how they've suffered with the Lord, how they've taken their suffering to the Lord, but then how they found new life in unexpected ways through that. And I don't know about you, I would imagine that you get this question quite a bit, or you've confronted this question quite a bit with yourself. How do we help a couple that's struggling with infertility? Because every time... I'm in that situation. I always feel like I'm putting my foot in my mouth. I, I just don't know what to do or what to say. Well, often these, these couples are hidden. You know, we, we don't recognize them immediately. We really need to pray for them, you know. And for those that we know who struggle with infertility, I think prayer is, is one of the key things. But also to show compassion. You know, it, many people don't have a concept of what it's like to suffer from infertility. You know, imagine you're wanting to get married and you're absolutely in love with your beloved and and you're planning to get married at the end of the month and the day before you're supposed to get married your in-laws say no we we're not going to allow you to get married this month maybe next month you know it's a constant cycle of of hope and and getting those hopes crushed uh when when it doesn't go the way that we want so you know try and show some compassion and, and understanding even if that may be not what you experienced yourself and don't pressure people because you know, I think people put more pressure on themselves and 
to have, you know, a, a parent that, hey, when are you having grandkids? Or, you know, oh, you guys need to get busy. What's going on? Why are you, you know, contracepting or something? Well, no, we've been trying to be open to pregnancy for a year now and have not been successful. And we're wondering what to do next. Yeah, we, we like to joke around sometimes. You know you're at a good Catholic event when you see at least one Ford Transit van on the parking lot. And as much as we all have that desire probably mm-hmm. to fill that Ford Transit van, there are those who have the desire but for whatever reason, the reality hasn't materialized. And so to say to them, well, why haven't you filled the minivan yet is not a nice thing to say. It's probably a very emotionally cutting thing to say. And so I, I think you raise a, a very good point not to presume, not to pressure, not to say, why don't you have kids? You know, we don't always know what's going on. It's a difficult thing. It's a hard truth. To embrace, if you're that couple, I I can't even begin to imagine what it's like. Beth and I have been very blessed, but I can't imagine how hard it is to embrace that truth that you might be struggling with infertility. Well, and and there there are some harsh realities that I think infertile couples face. You know, we hear about our rights. You know, we have an inalienable right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. But when it comes to a child, we we don't have a right to people. We, We can have a right to things or in a certain circumstances or opportunities, but, but we don't have a right to people. People are, they have a dignity that they're not things, you know, it's not just the next thing. Like, you know, I've gotten married now, I'm going to have my Ford Explorer and now I'm going to fill it or my Ford Transit and, and fill it with children. And the other thing is that children have a right to be conceived in an act of love. So when it comes to treating fertility, a lot of our modern methods of infertility treatments involve in vitro fertilization or, or those types, types of things where it really takes conception away from the marital act and that, that loving embrace between husband and wife. And children deserve to be conceived in an act of love. You know, so th- those are really harsh realities that, that couples with infertility have to accept. But I think there are definitely some treatments and options that they have going forward, you know, to try and understand where the breakdown is occurring to to really benefit them. Yeah, it's one of those things that last year on the show, we spent a whole week leading up to the anniversary of Humane Vitae talking about different things. And I remember we had a very great conversation with a priest here in the archdiocese about the moral problems of surrogacy in vitro fertilization and why the Catholic Church teaches what she teaches, that these are not morally acceptable means to conceive a child. And that's a very difficult thing for some people to hear in this day and age because I know many Catholics who have embraced those methods and said, well, I don't think it's wrong. And yet the church is very firm in that teaching, and there are very strong reasons behind that. But I think you've just given us one that really gets to the heart of everything. Children deserve to be conceived in love. I mean, there's a whole other dimension to it and the problems that IVF creates. What do you do with all of these embryos that are created? Because, I mean, we believe from the moment of conception, there's a soul. And, and now everything's just kind of in this frozen limbo. Even in that, though, we got to come back to the fact that children deserve to be conceived in love. Which means, if you're saying, I know I can't embrace those methods, as tempting as it is, what do I do next? Because I don't know what the plan is. And, and Lord, maybe maybe you could show me the plan. Maybe you won't show me the plan. But it really comes down to a matter of trust. 
Yeah, th- there are things that can be done from a Catholic perspective. And, and I think it looks at what is the underlying problem? Because fertility really isn't a disease. It's a symptom of something else. There is some reason why couples are not conceiving. Now, we may not be smart enough to be able to figure it out in 2022, but there's a reason. So a lot of our testing, a lot of our fertility treatments look at restoring normal function of the body so that couples are able to conceive. The real benefit to that is if we can figure out what's wrong, it becomes a reproducible thing where, you know, if we figured it out this time, it might be able to help you to conceive more than once. Whereas in vitro, if, if it worked, they never really found out what the problem was. And the only way to replicate it is to do that same thing again, which is a very costly thing and, and from a moral standpoint, very, very problematic. As we wrap up today, you know, perhaps you're saying to yourself, and this happens sometimes on the show, you know, Adam, Dr. Gosser, you're actually talking about me here, and I've been conflicted inside about it. I would encourage you, because again, I cannot presume to imagine what you've gone through. But I do know this, that with everything, whether it's that trust, whether it's those spiritual questions that come with infertility, whether it's things we may or may not have done in the past, take it to the Lord. And a a great place to start with that is with your priest as well. Unfortunately, we've got to stop for the day, but you're going to be with us again. And until then, we want to thank you. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mystical Rose, make intercession for Holy Church. Protect the Sovereign Pontiff. Help all those who invoke you in their necessities. And since you are the ever-Virgin Mary and Mother of the true God, obtain for us from your most holy Son the grace of keeping our faith, of sweet hope in the midst of the bitterness of life, of burning charity, and the precious gift of final perseverance. Amen. This week we have been talking about the spiritual authority and the role of the husband and the father in the household. And I want to go back to one of my early moments of fatherhood here, Doug. My oldest was about two and a half, three years old, starting to get to that age where, you know, nowhere near the age of reason, but comprehending instructions. And follow through became very important in establishing discipline in our daily habits. And he had this one particular toy. And I said, son, pick that up and put it away. And he looked at me, and as a toddler would, he said, no. And I said, you're not going to like the consequence if you don't put that away. So he got up and he put it away. Well, the rest of the week, he started pushing me and testing me on where that line was. And finally, one day, I asked him five separate times, and I told him, if you don't put that toy away, I'm going to take it to the dumpster in the alley and throw it away and you won't have it again. Now, maybe, given his age, maybe that was a little harsh. I remember him standing at the back door crying in tears the next morning when the garbage truck came to empty the dumpster. But for the next three and a half years, all it took was, do you remember that toy? And his toys would be cleaned up. We had that discipline. Hardest moment in my life. Nine times out of ten with my kids is following through on discipline with them, whether that's you're grounded from TV or you have to refrain from dessert for a week, whatever it may be, following through and being steadfast and true to my word as a father with them. We have this human nature, I always say, you know, that, that, and you illustrate that with the story. We have a human nature that is very much like water going downhill. It always 
always seeks the path of least resistance. If something challenges it, the water has to figure out how to get around it. Well, the average child growing up just, just wants to roll. Just leave me alone. Let me do my thing. Don't anybody interfere with what I want. Well, as adults, we get that way too. As adults, hopefully we've learned that if we don't live a disciplined life and so forth, that it really leads to chaos and, and all kinds of mayhem and struggle and problem. But when you're trying to train your children to understand this, not being disciplined, not helping them toe the line, not helping them follow through on things does not help them in the future. It is easier to just avoid conflict. And you and I both know, Adam, there are a lot of people out there that they just don't want conflict. I mean, I don't want conflict either, honestly. I just don't. But I do recognize that when there's a moment of conflict with my children over when I was raising them over some issue, that moment could make or break another step of their life and help them be better or worse down the road. I'll never forget one time my wife and I, we had three of our children, my first three, and, and the little baby was in the cart, my fourth. And the three older ones, you know, probably what, three years old to seven or eight, give or take. And we're at this department store and we're looking at, I don't know, curtains or blinds in the curtain blind department. And it's right next to the beds, the mattresses and so forth. We've all been in those department stores. And and at one point, I, my kids were getting a little rambunctious, and I pulled them over. I turned the chairs we talked about yesterday, and I sat them down. And I said, I want you all to sit here right in this mattress. I want you to sit still, okay? I was firm, but very loving. I definitely didn't get easy with them. Hey, just, just do this, and I'll get you some ice cream later. It was nothing, nothing like that. It was, I need you to sit still. I need you to sit still right now. Mom and I got to take care of this. We'll get back to you. All right, just hang in there. You guys are doing great, okay? But it was firm. A man walks over and he says, excuse me, can I talk to you, sir? I said, yes, he's an older gentleman. And he says, I am the manager of this store. I just saw what you did with your kids. And I, at that moment, I couldn't tell whether this was going to be some sort of negative response, but I was ready to explain why I did it. Well, this is what I need to do to help them be disciplined. Before I said anything, he just said, what you just did is the difference of them becoming good, upstanding adults or ending up in jail. And he said, basically acknowledging that, yeah, if you don't help them tell the line, if you don't teach them discipline now, if you don't hold them to an understanding that they need to be strong and disciplined and forthright in their lives, you are going to make their life much harder down the road because they won't be able to complete certain things. They're not going to be under your care forever. And when they get out on their own, are we giving them the tools that they need to get through life and spiritually be disciplined so they can get to heaven. So we can't just go the soft route and let water go down the hill and find the path of least resistance. We need to be able to help raise our children to understand that importance, especially as fathers, and put the foot down where it needs to be with love, but sometimes with firmness. And don't be afraid, even though the society is out there trying to cancel left and right anybody who wants to show some form of godly, and I emphasize godly, holy authority and discipline, they try to shoot that down. They can all go take the long walk on their own. They're not going to stand before you. They're not going to be there when you stand before God. Doug, I want to leave us today with the flip side of this coin. We've been talking maybe from the, the lens of discipline, but the other hard thing for me as a parent and the, the thing as a dad I need to remember, if I expect them to listen to me and for me to be true to my words when it comes to discipline, it also means I need to be true to my words and everything else. So if I tell them, listen, you guys keep your rooms clean this week, 
we'll go fishing, then we need to go fishing on Saturday. Mm. If I tell them, listen, you've been good, and I promise we're going to go to the candy store, then I better follow through and take them to the candy store. You can't be – it's about keeping your word, and it's about setting that example. And as Doug said, it could be the difference between kids that grow up to be holy and disciplined and kids that end up in jail. And sadly, I know people from personal experience – that they didn't have that difference, and that's where they ended up. So, Doug, thank you for today. You betcha, Adam. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Prayer for our country. O Mary, who from the beginning received from God the mission and power to crush the serpent's head, by your holy and immaculate conception, deliver our government and its people from the influence of the evil one. We trust in you as our mother and queen. Let's pause on this Thursday for a daily dose of encouragement with Patty Schneier. This week, Patty is sharing with us about the attributes of God, areas we can reflect in our prayer life. Patty, where are we going to go today? Well, we God does so much. I mean, he's God. <laughs> but today I want to specifically think about how God speaks, how he guides us, and he prompts us, mostly, of course, through the Holy Spirit. But I love it if you think about how God speaks individually to our hearts when we quiet ourselves, when we just simply ask the Holy Spirit to show up and take over when we rely on him and trust on him and spend time with him. So how does God speak to you? That's a great question for a holy hour right there. You could spend a whole hour just reflecting on how God has spoken to you in your life and where has he guided you? When have you felt his promptings? Thank him for every single door that he has shut in your life and every single window that he has opened. Maybe thank him for every road that you've traveled and every circumstance that is led you to greater faith or to repentance, to greater love or trust. That's how God leads us so often in the circumstances. But I also love this. Not only is he a God who speaks, who guides and prompts us, but he's also a God who listens. I was really struck by this in adoration one day because I thought about each person, each one of us is here in this adoration chapel. There was a couple of us there. And I thought, I'm thinking and saying all of the things I want to tell God, but so is that person and this person. And he's listening to each and every one of us day in and day out to every person on the planet, all of our prayers at the same time and every whisper of the heart. But God listens and allows us to ask him anything. He listens and allows us to unload every detail of our lives. He listens to our ramblings. And then what does he do? He takes it all. And then what does he give us in return? His mercy, his strength, his wisdom, and his peace. So thank him today for just listening. Thank him for speaking to your heart. Thank him for guiding you and prompting you in your life. Let that maybe be where you take your holy hour this week or today. Patty, how often do we think about the fact that we need to listen to God, that sometimes I think we forget he listens to us. So thank you for this great encouragement for us today. I'll tell you what, it's an exciting time to be a St. Louis Cardinals fan Right now, my beloved Cardinals won. They took every player on the bench last night to win by the score 
of 5-3 to three in the 13th inning. Almost losing the game in the 11th. The winning walk-off run for Cincinnati was 90 feet away on third base, and any number of things could have gone wrong, and that would have been a walk-off win. And yet, the Cardinals pulled it out. Why do I bring this up? I mean, we don't normally talk about sports here on Roadmap to Heaven, but I couldn't help but think of that. And for the record, I stayed up much later last night than I should have playing cards at a friend's house, which is the only reason I even knew this game went into 13 innings. It took every player off the bench and almost every pitcher out of the bullpen. They saved two so that they might have some today doing their part. Now, we're talking about First Friday devotions coming up and First Saturday devotions. And you may be saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because the Blessed Mother asked me to do this. I'm going to do this because our Lord asks me to do this. Let's be very clear. That is a good and great reason and holy reason, obedience, to keep the First Friday and First Saturday devotions. But sometimes even I am tempted to think, does it really make all that much of a difference? You know, if I didn't do it, I mean, are my rosaries really making that much of a difference? Are my First Friday prayers of reparation really making that much of a difference? Maybe not on their own, although I do believe they're efficacious. I really do. Don't, don't get me wrong here. But if we started praying that rosary, not just on the first Saturday, but every day, you know, I've been sharing with you all week about how my life has been changed over the last two and a half years by the rosary. If more and more people started praying the rosary and more and more people started having their lives changed and more and more people started coming to know our Lord in a deeper, more intimate way through his blessed mother, I can only imagine how much better our culture would be and our world would be. Not that it would be perfect. We're still on this side of the veil. You know, God willing, we will all get to heaven. God willing, we will accept his grace, which, you know, he does will it for us that we would accept his grace, but we have that free choice. But we would get out of the way. We would be repentant. We would be contrite. And we would accept his mercy and accept his grace and go to the sacraments and die in that state of grace. So while it might be easy to think that, well, you know, my rosary, it's probably not going to add much to the grand scheme of things. Don't forget two things. Number one, it's efficacious. Actually, let's make it three things. Number one, it's efficacious. Number two, it's good that you're praying it because the Blessed Mother asked you to pray it. But number three, can you imagine if every player on the bench did their part? If every Catholic we know prayed their rosary each and every day with that intention of growing closer to our Lord. How much different the world would be? How much different our lives would be? I mean, there'd still be the consequence of sin. There'd still be the problem of evil in the world. There'd still be temptation. There'd still be struggle. But maybe, just maybe, things would be a little bit better here. And actually, I firmly do believe they would if more and more of us started praying the rosary. It's a very simple thing, doing what our Blessed Mother asked us to do. It's a very simple thing to go to Mass tomorrow morning on First Friday, receive Holy Communion, and pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart. It's a very easy thing to go to confession this week, 
go to Mass Saturday morning, receive Holy Communion, pray the Rosary, and then spend 15 minutes with the Blessed Mother in meditation, either on the mysteries of the Rosary or the seven dolors of the Blessed Mother, but to spend that time with her. It's not a time for us to stay on the bench, friends. And, you know, just as we did uh, when I was playing Little League, crying out, you did good, you did great, do more of that, you know. We need to be encouraging our friends and loved ones to pray the rosary. we, We need to do it. There's just no way around it. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Join me today, then. Please do. Join me in promoting the Most Holy Rosary to all your friends, all your loved ones, all the Catholics you know. Invite them. Ask them. Implore them to pray the Rosary. I want to thank Dr. Brian Gosser for being with us again today, Doug Berry and Patty Schneier, as always. I want to thank you for listening. Tomorrow morning, I'll be back with you. Dan Vonderhaar and Angela Miller will be in the studio with me for the Roadmap Roundup. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to pray your rosary today.